when we're speaking about conversion i think conversion doesn't stop at joining the church it's a lifelong journey it's a lifelong practice and a lifelong commitment hello my name is blair murphy and this is the bishop's office a podcast where i talk to members of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints about their conversion missionary service and life experiences this week i'm speaking to panit suchdeva about his conversion experience it's actually the last episode of the season but i look forward to coming back in a few months time with more episodes so take this opportunity to catch up on any episodes that you haven't listened to already and i'll speak to you again in the new year Well, Panit, it's great to catch up with you today and talk about your conversion experience. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. So, uh, before we get into your conversion experience, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, and maybe then we can jump into the, the rest of your story. Sure, why not? So, I was born and brought up in India, and my dad's from the Indian Navy. My mother, for the second half you know, of our growing up, she was working with Time and Life, so Time Encyclopedias and Time Magazine and all of that. So uh, moved around India quite a bit, but spent most of my time and education got completed in Delhi. And after that, you know, work life happened over there. I left India when I was about 30 years old, somewhere there close by. I got to the UK. 2004, 2005 to do my MBA. And I was in the UK for a number of years. My main work is in people and culture, creating high-performing organizations, high-performing cultures. You know, so that's the main work which I do along with some executive coaching and managing change, digital transformation-based change. So that's the main work which I do. So 2013, I moved across to the United States. I did some consulting over there for an Accenture company, spent two years, two and a half years there. Got back to the UK, set up my own consultancy in 2016, uh, which is what I had been doing till, till recently. Got to Australia. I was married to a girl from Australia. We met in the UK. We ended up splitting up. We ended, we ended up actually divorcing last year. So the last three years of my life, I've spent a significant amount of my time between Australia and the UK. And finally, now, very recently on this third outing, I have managed to land a fairly decent role, which means that I can now live and work in Australia. Apart from that, my hobbies and my interests lie in creating a world in which children grow up feeling loved and nurtured and where uh, they grow up with a positive self-identity and to reduce the guesswork in parenting. And the way I do that is right now it takes a shape and form of outside of working hours and I do that through writing stories for kids and uh, sometimes even creating uh, webinar sessions for parents, bringing in experts on parenting, and you know helping parents do q a's with them so small little efforts but the vision is quite big and i'm starting on that journey slowly and steadily and you've always struck me as a spiritually minded person has that something that's always been a part of your life well yeah it has been for quite a while for at least 20 years I started my spiritual journey. I grew up in a Hindu household. Uh, it wasn't a very orthodox environment or anything like that, right? Hinduism is not orthodox anyway. But I started practicing Buddhism quite actively when I was in my early 20s. Mm-hmm. And I was essentially looking to answer questions around, you know, what is the right way of living life, essentially? And I always felt that there was something missing inside of me. I always felt there's something missing. 
but I was looking for answers. I started, I was introduced to Buddhism through a friend of mine. Practiced that for a while and did the art of living as well. So that has always gone on. In between, I created my own practice based on the various learnings that I had had with different teachers. When I was in California, I, I explored Native American traditions of shamanism. So I worked with Native Indians while I was there. And I've always done a lot of, uh, you know, inner work. It's been something which is a constant companion. And initially it came from a place of feeling that something missing and lacking in my life and not feeling good enough. And as I've done this over the years, I feel a lot more settled. And that gap, which I used to feel has reduced considerably. I don't say it's completely gone, but mm. it's always been a part of my life. Um, well, that's super interesting. So I guess you've been on a number of spiritual journeys, if you like, and, and practiced a few different ways of life and religions. Right. What led to your being introduced to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? This is, I think the story started in July 2017. So I've always had a steady prayer practice. I have actually learned Buddhism mindfulness in a Buddhist monastery. I spent chunks of time over a year to learn a certain way the Buddhists, the monks do their mindfulness and their meditation and stuff. And I had that steady practice in the morning, prayer practice, meditation. And I would pray to Lord Shiva. I used to fast every Monday, all of that. And I remember it was July, you know, very clearly around July time, 2017, when I was starting to, when I would sit in the morning and do my prayers, I would just feel there was the spirit of Christ, which was coming into, it just, the presence of Christ was, seemed to be there, okay? And I say that because the language I started using started feeling very Christian to me. And that was the beginning. I felt, I don't know, maybe I'm just making it all up, what's going on. But it went on for quite some time like that. And, you know, interestingly, what also started to happen around the same time was that a lot of gospel music started showing up on my YouTube stream, which I had never, ever looked for in my life. Right? So the, the ones which I really love, which I listen to even today, was What a Beautiful Name It Is. I don't know if you've heard it. Uh, I don't think it's a part of our church, but there's Hillsong Worship, which is a Sydney-based church. And I think they just got some incredible singers and their choir and stuff is so phenomenal. And when I would listen to that song, What a Beautiful Name It Is, it would just give me shivers and goosebumps for quite a while. Uh, and then you fast forward to November of 2017. At the time, there's a friend of mine. I just had a very strong urge to go and meet her at her place. This is when I was living in Edinburgh in Scotland. And I took the train and I went out to her place. And when I went out to her place, I could see there were three or four guys at home. Anyway, I knocked the door and I came around from the back and I said hi to her and she was surprised. So at her place, at Claire's house, there were the, I think there were a couple of missionaries and there was brothers. And she had joined the church in those few months that we were out of communication. I had no idea about it. Mm. And there was, I remember there was Elder Jensen, very tall, very nice guy. Uh, he was a missionary. He had another companion. I don't remember who the other brother was. But what completely, what just completely left an impression on me was how they conducted themselves, especially how Elder Jensen conducted himself. I was just sitting over there and listening to them talking to Claire. And, uh, you know, he was describing 
different things about the church but i was also very very moved by the fact that they did a blessing on her so a number of things completely stood out to me i said wow this is so beautiful and then what i did was when i went back home i looked up the church and uh, i found the church in edinburgh a small enough city if you've been there about 30 40 minutes you can literally take a bus or walk up to the place that you want to go to mm-hmm. and where i was staying is not too far away from the church and i would go there like once in a month the missionaries became friends uh, especially two of them we just became fantastic friends one of them was elder denison wright and the other was elder jake grant just mm-hmm. so impressive such great great guys so i was going out to the church maybe one time in a month they would come out to my place uh one time as well so they would have a meal and stuff and we would chat about different things i would talk mm-hmm. about my faith and they would talk about jesus christ and the church and you know they did the prayer and they just completely when they did the first prayer they called in the spirit i could just completely feel it all over me what did the spirit mm-hmm. actually feel like for you how would you describe it uh well there was no sound no voice but it was almost like you know if you put on noise canceling headphones really good quality ones if you can just feel that entire feeling not around your ears but around your entire body that was a kind of feeling which i got very contained feeling you know so very powerful very contained um so you were going to you were going to go on what what happened next yeah so then after that what happened was i was doing a leadership program down in london and as a part of that leadership program i was invited to go and do some coaching in israel <laughs> believe it or not yeah. so next what happens is i land up in israel in january 2018 and there i was i was doing this training thing four five days long training it was coaching on that at uh, a city called herzliya so that's where i ended up and that ended up becoming a pilgrimage because then i just tried to understand more about the holy places uh, of christianity and i spoke to a friend of mine who's a christian in india uh, he gave me a good understanding of he's been there he's lived over there he told me a bit about the place where to go to you know read about the mount of olives and gethsemane and the rock of golgotha and what's it called yardanit so yardanit is a place in that area of of the jordan river where jesus christ was actually baptized mm. So um I did all of this. I went to Nazareth where they recreated a village where which would have been like where Jesus Christ would have lived etc. So I went out over there saw that. So you know that just turned out to be a a phenomenal pilgrimage <laughs> of sorts which one thing led to the other essentially. And then you um, just you know back to back to Edinburgh back to Scotland and I carried on that pattern of going there one time in a month and the missionaries would come out. I think the next key milestone was Australia. And as I mentioned, I was married to a girl from Adelaide in Australia. We split up and she got back to Adelaide a few years ago and then I was, you know, traveling back and forth between the UK and uh, Australia to see if there's any chance of it working out, will she come back to Edinburgh? And I think that was becoming more and more clear it's not going to happen. So in 2018 when I got out to Adelaide it was the 8th of August and I was in a train from Hunter Valley I was going up to Sydney 
And mm. I got a call on my phone uh, from the missionaries at Morialta Ward. The main missionaries who were there during that time were Elder Tukuafu and Elder Nayusan. So anyway, they gave a call and said, uh, hey, uh, would you, this is 1.30 in the afternoon on a train, the phone rings. <laughs> And they say, would, hi, we are calling from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from the Morialta Ward. Would you like to come and attend sacraments? I said, yeah, sure, I'll come. Tell me, send me the address and I'll come. And I got back and that Sunday I ended up at the church. Must have been the second weekend of August. And, you know, I just loved it so much. At that time, uh, President John Orth was the bishop. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all of you were there. I remember you as well sharing very clearly your own journey and stories and so many others. But it was just the most welcoming place. And I was going through a lot of my own emotional turmoil and stuff at that time from the separation and all of these different things. It was really hard for me internally. And, you know, in every way, everything, everything was stretched financially, emotionally, mental health. Everything was just pushed right out to the limit. And I just found it to be a very welcoming and a non-judgmental place and a very safe place. Uh, You know, time after time, it wasn't like you came the first time and you felt safe and it was all good. But time after time, it was the same experience. Very welcoming. Nobody pushed anything onto me. And uh, I made some very good friends. So, you know, I, I never missed a single sacrament meeting. I completely loved it. I came every single Sunday. And then the Sundays that Ela, my daughter, who's nine years old now, who lives in the Adelaide Hills with her mother, the weekends that she would with me, was with me, she would then uh, come out. I would take her first a lot of resistance. No, no, no. And then the great thing which happened was she made fantastic friends with your daughter, with Evie. <laughs> so it made it so easy for me after that Come on, let's go to meet Evie. Here are some drawing paper. Here are some color pencils. Let's go. Otherwise, she'll be sitting next to me. Daddy, when are we going? <laughs> I have to say, okay, half an hour. Then when half an hour would happen, okay, you'll have 15 more minutes. So, you know, it happened like that for a few weekends. And then she met Evie and that was phenomenal. So we would sit for the entire hour. I never missed a single sacrament meeting. I loved it to fill my heart so much because, I mean, having God in my life has been a part of my life for a long time. And I, and I think that's the whole practice gave it a boundary. It gave it, it gave it the rituals. It gave it the practices. It gave me the community. It gave me so much, you know. So that's what happened that year. I never missed it. And then, of course, the missionaries, they, I mean, you know, they are missionaries for a reason. Their mission is to make sure that they introduce people to the church. And they asked me a couple of times. I just wasn't sure about it at that time, 2018. About getting baptized, presumably. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They asked me, I mean, they asked me even in 17 in Edinburgh. I understand that you sort of went back um, to Europe and then ultimately returned to Australia. What I find really interesting about your experience so far is you're having, you know, looking back, it seems like God was at the helm, right? There's so much happening in your life that seems to be leading you to um, the church and you're having a great experience every Sunday, but it's still not an easy decision for you to decide to get baptized. So uh, I I wonder if you can talk to me a little bit about why that was still a difficult decision and what made the difference in allowing you to sort of make that next step in terms of commitment. Sure. So see, the thing is, it's an identity thing, correct? 
Mm. You've grown up with a certain belief system and all of that for 40, 45 years or so of your life. Uh, so it's a big, big, big identity shift, right? For me, it was at least that uh, Christianity and being a Christian, very different. Never, ever thought this would be happening. I do have a lot of Christian friends I had when growing up, but it was not a religion I could ever associate with. The re- a few reasons mainly what shifted that for me, and I'll give you a couple of incidents as well. First, I'll share with you what tipped the balance for me in terms of uh, saying yes to getting baptized. And then let me see if anything else I feel like sharing with you. But think a few things, right? One is, of course, the community, the people, looking at how the lives of the people in the church works. There are people like I would associate to be just like me who have careers, who've got families, who are working. You know, many of us are around that same age, mm-hmm. give or take five or seven years here and there. And uh, I just was, wow, families, their lives work over here. The other thing which is really which is very different about our church is the focus on family and the importance of family life and the importance of the family values. The other thing was just how our church is structured. I think it's just one of the most phenomenal organizations. It is an organization. Mm -hmm. It's a mission centered organization. It's international and uh, just the people this just you know like the, the prophets and just who they are they are men and women of tremendous accomplishment in the world who could be doing many different things you know and, and they choose to do and serve the lord and uh, dedicate their lives to this cause that wasn't the key factor just the kind of people who are there the kind of information the kind of knowledge the kind of wisdom I mean, there is nothing which is unanswered. You know, if you have a question, the only reason you will not get an answer is if you don't ask the question, I think, in our church. That's what I feel. You know, everything is so clearly thought through and very well defined that uh, very little is left to gray area, especially, you know, where you're talking about ethics and morality and things, which there can be so many gray areas. Mm. I feel, as we say, the church is built on revelation and the, the prophets and the bishops, you know, all the administrative leaders, they just do a phenomenal, phenomenal job of trying to make it as simple, as clear, as to follow the path of God. Correct. So I think that's extremely impressive. It's a very hard thing to do, but I think we just do very, very well. And I suppose the thing which tipped the balance was now going back to July 2019, exactly two years from the first time I started feeling the Spirit of Christ in my prayers. And I was sitting down in the chapel. I'd come out over there early. I was by myself. And uh, this voice kind of <laughs> flashes in my mind or in my heart. And it says to me that, do you remember, uh, you remember you went to Claire's house two years ago to meet her when you really wanted to meet her. Just know one thing, that it wasn't she who called you there, it was I who called you there. And I really think that was just the tipping point for me to be able to say yes. I had reached the point where I was saying, I now have to decide whether I'm going to do this or I'm not. Because otherwise, I'm going to be probably going to frustrate all the people around as well in the <laughs> church as well. What is this guy up to, man? So it was. It's the people. It's the organization. It's the kind of people that are leading the church. The men and women. The kind of humanitarian work that we do. The kind of content we create. The clarity we give people. The support we give people. 
I just think it is such a model. I mean, it's just, it's mind blowing. It's completely mm-hmm. mind blowing to me. So Amazing. that's how these are the, these are a few things which really stood out, which, you know, were key things for me to then say yes. But also after I got baptized, I got baptized on Father's Day in Australia on the 1st of September, 2019 at 1-11. I purposely say that because three ones, Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. <laughs> so I purposely chose that number. But immediately after that, for about four or five days, I was holding my head and saying, what have I just done? <laughs> you did not have to do this. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I don't regret it one bit. I think it's just great to be a part of the church and everything. What I love about your experience is, you know, there were all of these really good logical reasons why joining the mm. church was good for you, right? The, you know, the organization, mm. all of the, you know, nice people, these good people that you talk about. But what I like, mm. it wasn't until you heard the voice of the Lord that you're able to make. That's right, yeah. You know, and, and in your case, you actually, um, you know, talk about feeling and hearing a voice. And for others, they, you know, it's, it's less of a voice and more of a feeling. But, you know, it's, mm. it's not until that spiritual conversion comes that we have the power. We have really the choice to say, like you said, are we going to do this or not? So that's that's pretty interesting description of your uh, your post baptism blues. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> How did you? Uh, let me ask you a, a question related to that. I remember you being in our home um, while you were you know learning about the church and and right. you know I, I asked you a question something like you know what do you have a, against getting baptized? Trying to sort of get at the core of the issue. And mm-hmm. you asked me a question in response, and I don't know if you remember, but you asked me, you know, how will my life be different after I join the church? Uh, you know, because right. you're already coming to church, you're already associating with us, you're already learning the things, you're already praying and doing all of those sorts of things. And that was a great question, and, um, you know, I attempted to answer it. I don't know if I did, did a good job or not. But I think um, I have the same question for you. How is your life right. now that you have joined the church? It's the peace within, you know. I mean, up until recently, I was still dealing with a lot, with the work and the visa. It changes things for me quite a lot, dramatically. But uh, I was just stretched in every area of my life. I said emotionally, financially, mental health-wise, the childcare, you know, all of that stuff was just stretched to its extreme edges. Uh, The biggest difference is that while that's still going on, that, you know, while if I had to think about it, then I would get worried. Mm -hmm. But if I would not, then, you know, it reduced my anxiety. Let me just put it like that. It just reduced my anxiety many fold. And then, you know, so that is one thing. And I suppose even the work which I have got, the thing with this is, it's like, you know, when I say a prayer, thank you for the many gifts, but also thank you for so much, which I don't even know that you put into my life, which I take for granted, perhaps. Hmm. You know, and uh, I feel that that is the biggest differentiator. I feel that is just generally the biggest differentiator you can ever get. If you can have that peace, I wouldn't say it's always there with me, but I know it definitely has made a big difference because if you are settled within yourself more emotionally and you're more peaceful, which means that you have more clarity of thought, which means that you will be communicating better 
or more effectively, which means that your decision-making is going to be different. And it means that the quality of the relationships in your life are going to be different, regardless of your circumstances. So I'm not like in a complete Zen place. I need to just clarify that, but it is, it is many fold better than when without the spirit. You know, that's one of the keys, isn't it? You know, as we um, are learning about the church and, and attending, perhaps, you know, we can feel the spirit, but the that's right. that we have after we're baptized and worthily partake of the sacrament each week is that we can always have his spirit to be with us, meaning yeah. the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Right? yeah. And, you know, I was thinking about this today. I was actually thinking about this that what is it you know by simply going and saying your prayers and stuff it's one thing it's become it can become mechanical correct uh and if it's mechanical then i really don't think you're penetrating the depth of the blessing that that i can get i'll talk about it for myself i was doing this just evaluating basically i was thinking now i want to get married again right and i was thinking about in the context of eternal companion and thinking about how will that come about and then I was thinking about, right, so let me just look in and check in with my own practice. Okay, I do things and I feel that I have a good prayer. In the morning, I have a very nice way of praying. I usually get up in the morning very early. I'll do a small invocation to the Lord. And I do some writing of gratitude and things. And then I start doing some of my own like creative work in the morning, researching, writing, reading for about an hour and a half. Then I take a break. And then I will have a shower and then I do a 20 minute sitting prayer. And I really enjoy that. I, I've been doing more of it recently, Bishop. Before that, it had become on and off practice for me. Some days I was doing it, I wasn't doing it consistently. But ever since I started doing it again, just keeping that time for me and really praying from the heart in terms of what it is that my deep desires are. I think I can keep myself in a better frame of mind what I'm not doing very well is doing the same kind of closure to my day. Mm. And, uh, you know, I do a small prayer at night, but I did have a very good routine of doing a bit of writing and then closing my day with 10, 15 minutes of sitting prayers. I've been inconsistent in that. Mm. So I think that's one area which would, again, talking about the quality of experience and really getting the benefits of being a part of what we're doing, our practice, is creating those moments of, those just moments where we can deeply connect to God. And I think that's completely important. I think it's a lifestyle choice. You I think really at the core of it, it really is a lifestyle choice if you constantly want to have the Holy Ghost as a companion more often than not. It can be you sit for 20 minutes, you sit for 20 minutes, you do some writing, but I, I just think there's something more fundamental which needs to shift and a lifestyle choice, but out of your own volition and something which you're committed to. And I suppose that's the, you know, when, we, when we're speaking about conversion, I think conversion doesn't stop at joining the church. It's a lifelong journey. It's a lifelong practice and a lifelong commitment. And the difference comes to be able to put a structure and a process because when you don't feel like doing it, you still go ahead and do it mm. because you made a commitment to doing it. Okay, this is my practice. I will do it. The quality may shift from day to day. You, some days we, uh, it depends how we're feeling inside of us. But I feel those are some shifts which I still need to make in my life to really uh, feel the spirit more consistently 
And like I shared on Sunday, I have large aspirations and visions and dreams in the context of creating a world where kids grow up feeling loved, nurtured with self-belief, parenting, helping parents out, uh, creating content around it. And, uh, and I feel that the more I can tap into the depth of what we have, the, the more flow there will be and the more I'll be able to do in this world before I die. One of the things that um, stood out to me when you talked about the beginning of your journey towards Christianity is, is you used these words that you started to feel more of a spirit of Christ in your prayers. The best experiences I have in prayer, as you're describing it, is where I feel that the spirit is teaching me what to pray, right? It's not just a laundry mm. of things I'm grateful for and the things that I need help with. But, you know, my heavenly father in that communion is telling me the things that I, I should do. And as you were describing that, it, it felt like, you know, coming from a, a Hindu and Buddhist background and, and having done all these other things, your heavenly father was still mindful of you and teaching you how to pray, right? And the way that Jesus Christ teaches. And I just think that's such a wonderful thing. And and your journey started like that, and it continues like that, right? In your prayer and meditation, mm. you can still have that that guidance, and and our heavenly Father will teach us the the next little thing that we can do to help us on the path that uh, is best for us. So, before yeah. we finish up, is there in the few minutes that we have left, is there anything else that you know strikes you as important to share at this time? I think it's a path of tremendous commitment, and with that tremendous commitment comes a whole different world of blessing and goodness into our lives. Correct. And it's with anything you do, whether you are a professional you know, basketball player, you will, you know, we can do average. We can, everybody can do average. And, but the difference comes and in our, in our practice, in our church, in our, how we practice, we can do average. We, we are, I think generally are, the humanity is created just to average and be in a comfort zone. But um, I think the difference comes is when you go beyond the average, there's a different level of commitment which at which I would like to play, which I'm not at right now. That's also because of the fear that, you know, it also means that when you're at that level, you relinquish and you say, what is it that you want me to do? I still don't have the courage to say that. <laughs> <laughs> fully that okay what do you want me to do especially okay if i'm in completely circumstances i don't know what the heck to do it's easy to say that but i feel that that's the next level up and it's like anything else that you want to do you really want to do well you want to get the benefits of it whether you're a professional sportsman musician all of that there is average uh there's no fun in average but i think the place the game is to be played to be exemplary is to go beyond the average and that's where you want to check into your practice and simply ask that what does that look like for you and i have to ask that for myself we get the answers i think when we play at that level we will shift humanity in a much bigger way we won't even need to go and talk about anything just our sheer presence how we conduct ourselves who we are in the world is going to magnetize so many people and I suppose what is coming to my mind to share is that it's all the more critical for those of us who are in leadership positions and roles, whether you're a student leader or you are a professional leader or wherever you are, to access what the church gives us in every area of our life and to just be a completely different 
profound embodiment of uh, you know what we can be and that will shift the strife in the world if you're a leader you have influence over tremendous people you show up differently you show up with power people will just fall in love with who you are without you saying a word and they will want what you want and i think that will be the biggest gift we can give anybody around us family friends colleagues etc well it's a great vision and thank you for taking the time to share with us your journey up until this point um it's always great spending time with you thanks a lot bishop and i really enjoyed my time being famous on your podcast <laughs> i hope you enjoyed hearing kenneth's experience as a relatively new member of the church a huge thank you to all of my listeners and guests this season it's been an absolute pleasure to spend time with you and i wish you a christ-centered christmas from me here in the bishop's office